Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby Podcast. I am your host, Teresa Reese, and normally what I do is read a poem from my book of poetry entitled A Strong-Willed Mind, Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. However, I will be reading from, although I will be reading from my book of poetry, today I wanted to do something just a little different. Today, what I wanted to do was read from my book of poetry, my thoughts. So, this is in the introduction of my book of poetry, and here we go. A person with a strong-willed mind is someone who is determined not to let anyone or anything stand in their way. This person wills themselves to reach above and beyond all limitations, no matter What level of adversity, negativity, or pain they face. Through it all, whether it is abuse, criticism, ostracism, manipulation, neglect, or even rejection, just to name a few, this person is able to overcome these challenges by pulling from their inner strength. Those obstacles designed to break their spirit may actually be repositioning them in order to propel them into their divine destiny. I believe that with God's help and their strong will to be victorious, no matter what, help No matter what, I'm sorry, y'all, I need my glasses. (laughs) No matter what the circumstances are, they can conquer the voices of defeat and destruction in their lives and achieve anything. Written by yours truly, Teresa Reese. So. For those of you who do not know, I am the content creator and the founder of this here podcast, the Dear Future Hubby podcast. And I haven't been on for quite some time and that was not on purpose, but I've been processing so much over the past 30 plus days and In doing that, 
I've decided to come on to talk about the many challenges that we may be facing on a day-to-day basis, whether it be health-wise, whether it be education-wise, whether it be in relationships, whether it be in just life. There are so many challenges and Sometimes it's easier said than done to overcome those challenges. So, for those of you that don't know, what I like to do is provide the definition of certain words so that I am not taking for granted that everyone that hears my episodes understand what those words that I'm using mean. And it's not to be condescending, it's so that we can learn together. So the definition of the word challenge is a call to take part in a contest or competition, especially a duet, excuse me, or an objection or query as to the truth of something often with an implicit demand for proof. Dispute the truth or validity of. And enter into competition with or opposition against. Make a rival claim to or threaten someone's hold on a position, prove testing to, make demands on. So this is according to the Oxford Languages Dictionary. And, (coughs) excuse me, a few synonyms for the word challenge which would be similar words is dare provoke summons oppose dispute with stand against confrontation with test of and again I received this from the Oxford Languages Dictionary so I'm going to touch on this, but I'm not going to stay here long because I'm learning about myself that some things are triggers for me. And the murder of Tyree Nichols was a trigger for me. And for those of you who don't know, Tyree Nichols was a young man who was living in Memphis and he was beaten by several African-American, also known as black men, who beat him to death after pulling him over. There was a brief moment that he ran 
for his life, literally. But to no avail, he still ended up losing his life, unfortunately. And I am a woman of color. And I am a mother of three beautiful black men. And I am dating a black man. And I have a black grandson. And so it hits a little different. It impacts me a little different when I am seeing my people murdered in cold blood. And quite frankly, I understand that we all have experienced trauma. And I understand that there are a lot of people on this planet that don't necessarily like the color of my skin or me for that fact. But to watch what my ancestors have fought so hard for which was to be treated fairly. To watch innocent people be killed and murdered in cold blood because of the color of their skin. Something that they can't even control. It does more than hurt. And I watched a movie that was created to tell the mother's side of Emmett Till and what she went through. And for those of you who do not know who Emmett Till is, Emmett Till was a young boy. I believe if I am not mistaken, and if I am, please forgive me and charge it to my head, not my heart. But I believe he was 14 years old. Let me just look up the facts so that way I'm not basing it on my memory. Because for those of you who don't know, um, I am a two-time brain surgery survivor and I currently have a tumor in my brain. And sometimes it makes it a little hard for me to remember a few things. Yes, he was 14 years old. He too was an African-American, also known as a black male. And he was from Chicago. He was brutally murdered. Allegedly because he whistled at a Caucasian, also known as white, woman. And back in those days, that was unheard of. That was back in 1941. I wasn't even thought of. Wasn't even thought of 
or in the 1940s. Let me put it that way. Um, or maybe because it says he was born July the 25th of 1941. So that means that he passed away in the 50s. So he it was like 1954 around that time is when he passed away. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but his mother kept the coffin open on purpose. And you can look him up. E-M-M-E-T-T was how you spell his first name. And then his last name, T-I-L-L. So I thought about, and I've been thinking a lot about challenges. What I am challenged with on a day-to-day basis. What it looks like to look people in the face who, excuse me, for whatever reason, do not like the color of my skin, the content of my character, who I am based off of somebody else's opinion or perception of who they believe I may be. The list goes on. I thought about my health (laughs) and I chuckle because it's become a daily battle for me. And I could go there, but I'm not going to for the sake of time. But what I will say is that it is extremely important for us, all of us, to advocate for our health. Extremely important. Excuse me. Get as many opinions as you need to make sure that the information that is being given to you is as accurate as it can be. Do not be afraid to ask questions. In fact, I encourage you to challenge your doctors. Make sure you know your past, your history, and don't just allow people to just put stuff on you (laughs) because they'll do it. Make sure you have the documentation to back it up. So even when I found out, excuse me, I cleared my throat all morning long. Um, So even when I found out that I had a tumor in my brain the first time, I received another opinion. And I believe I... If I'm not mistaken, I believe I received two opinions for that. When I found out that I had a tumor in my brain the second time. So, yes, you heard me correctly. If you were if you've never listened to any of my episodes. Not only am I a two time brain survivor, I'm sorry, two time brain surgery survivor. But I currently am living with another tumor in my brain because a little bit closer to seven years after the first tumor was removed, it grew back. Yes, the tumor grew back. And this time I've been told that surgery cannot be performed because of where the tumor is located in my brain. 
I've also been told that when they attempted the first time, which is true as the the paperwork that I signed was that we were thinking that I was just going to have to go through brain surgery one time, but I ended up going through it twice because the first time the surgeon went through my brain the wrong way. Yeah. So they had to wait five days for the swelling of my brain to go down so that they could make a second attempt the right way. Excuse me. So I've been told that I am a walking miracle. And sometimes I feel like I am. (laughs) But I also not only wanted to talk about challenges. Now, this is going to be a little bit hard for me, but I'm going to try to get through it. And I need to get through it because it's not about me. But it is about me. So. What I really, 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 really need to address. And I'm going to try to because there's no way that I can get through all of this quickly. So I may have to break it up. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, All of a sudden, I don't even see it. So maybe that is. That's not good because I don't see it at all. Okay, that's going to take me a moment to try to, because what I was going to talk about is the very thing that I don't see. So I'll have to try to figure that out and figure out why it is that I'm not seeing. Here it is. So here we go. Excuse me. Okay, so if you are easily triggered, then you might want to go ahead and turn this off now because I'm going to talk about the elephant in the room. So, I do hope that y'all are having the most amazing evening, morning, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. However... What I want to talk about now that I've addressed challenges, one of the biggest um, challenge is when you are being discriminated against. So today I want to talk about the burden of discrimination. And let's look up the word discrimination, shall we? And it's spelled D like David, I like ink, S like Sam, C like cat, R like Robert, I like ink, M like Michael, I like ink, N like Nancy, A like Apple, T like Tom, I like ink, O like Oscar, N like Nancy. Discrimination. And according to the Oxford Languages Dictionary, it means the unjust or prejudice prejudicial treatment of different categories of people or things, especially on the grounds of race, age, or sex. 
Now, I've lived long enough to know that people discriminate and can discriminate against you even because of your weight. So if you look up statistically, if you are a person who is considered obese, you also can be discriminated against. The list really does go on. However, there are so many people in this world who have experienced discrimination within their lifetime on one level or another. This is my opinion. This is my opinion. Now, I am not an attorney, nor can I provide you any legal advice. Therefore, if you believe that you have been a victim of discrimination in any way, form, or fashion, and you are seeking legal advice, please do your due diligence to acquire a legal attorney who can plead your cause on your behalf legally. Seek legal counsel. However, today... I wanted to speak on this because as a divorced black woman who is the mother of six beautiful children, excuse me, over the age of 40, as well as someone who is currently living with a tumor in my brain. And I am considered morbidly obese. I know firsthand what it looks like. And what it feels like to be discriminated against, both professionally and personally. So I wanted to take a moment to speak from my heart, if that's okay with y'all. Have you ever heard anyone say these words? What does not kill you can only make you stronger. I know I have. Way too many times to count. However, there are a lot of people who have been buried six feet under this ground and other grounds who were killed in cold blood because of the color of their skin. Something that they had absolutely no control over. All because they were simply born that way. And I'm going to take a moment to name a few of those people. Who I believe, again, this is my opinion. This is my opinion. That they lost their lives due to discrimination. George Floyd, he was age 46. This occurred on May 25th, 2020 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He allegedly was attempting to use a $20 bill at a convenience store that was deemed counterfeit. Mr. George Floyd was handcuffed and commanded to lay on the ground after police officers had been called to the scene. 
Once he was on the ground, Officer Derek Chauvin placed his weight on George Floyd's neck by kneeling and for nine minutes and 29 seconds, he did not let up. Derek Chauvin placed his heavy weight as well as his knee on George Floyd's neck for nine minutes and 29 seconds. As Mr. Floyd continued to plead for his life because he, quite frankly, could not breathe. He even called out to his dead mother. Officer Derek Chauvin continued to kneel on George Floyd's neck even when Mr. George Floyd became unresponsive. Now, to add insult to injury, there were four other police officers present on that day. And there were two different autopsies that were done on George Floyd's body and both of them concluded that his cause of death was homicide, but for two totally different reasons. Now, all four police officers were fired. Judge Peter Cahill found Derek Chauvin guilty of murder, and Chauvin was convicted of second-degree murder of Mr. George Floyd's death and sentenced to 22 and a half years in prison. He abused his position of trust and authority and also he displayed cruelty to Mr. George Floyd, a particular level of cruelty according to Judge Peter Cahill. Excuse me. Those nine minutes and 29 seconds cost George Floyd his life. And although this happened back in 2020, we are three years in And to this day, I am still impacted by that vision of what took place to Mr. George Floyd, a black man. Who was the father of a child, a daughter, who I'm so, 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 so certain in my heart. This is my belief that he had no way of knowing that the $20 bill that he was going to go make a purchase with could have even been counterfeit. How many times do you carry a pen with you to see, you know, the pen that they have at the stores that they check and run across a $100 bill, $50 bills, $20 bills? 
to make sure that it is counterfeit. How many of you truly carry that with you on a regular basis after you've been to the bank and then you actually take a moment to get all your cash back? How many of you have a pen like that with you just to run across all of your money just to see if it's counterfeit? I know I'm not one of those people. So what are the odds that he would have known that the money that he had on his person was in any way, form or fashion counterfeit? But that was the narrative. And that narrative cost him his life. Breonna Taylor. She was 26 years old. This occurred at her home back in 2020, where she lived in Louisville, Kentucky. Some people say Louisville. Just depends on where you're from. Breonna Taylor and her fiancé at that time, Kenneth Walker, were in her bed watching a movie when three police officers dressed like civilians dressed like you and I, not in uniform, had on ordinary clothes, not in uniform, arrived at their apartment wanting, allegedly, to execute a search warrant in a drug case concerning Breonna Taylor's ex-boyfriend, Kenneth Walker and Breonna Taylor, neither one of them had a criminal history. Neither one of them had illegal drugs found in their apartment. However, on that particular day, the two of them believed that someone was trying to break in as they watched a movie. They were under the impression that someone was trying to break into her apartment, and robbed them. So they dialed 911. Because if you feel like your life is in jeopardy or if you feel like someone is trying to break into your home, you know, if you do have access to a phone, I hope you do dial 911 if you have that accessibility. Um, so that's what they did. And then Kenneth Walker being the protector that he was shot off his registered firearm one time. And most likely he did that as a warning to whomever was trying to enter into the apartment uninvited that he is carrying a firearm. Maybe that was his way, this is my opinion, of providing them at pretty much the, an indication that, look, if the first time I'm letting it go to let you know that I have a firearm. The second time I'm going to use it on you if you enter into this home. Well, apparently that stirred up the people on the opposite side of that door. And Brianna Taylor was unarmed. Brianna Taylor was unarmed. But she was shot eight times. Those police officers fired their firearms over 20 
different times. 20 compared to one. Now, mind you, this person is inside of, I'm sure what he considered his second home or his home to be trying to protect his fiance. Not knowing who is on the opposite end of that door because no announcements were made. All he heard, I'm sure, was rambling. Someone trying to get in uninvited. He shoots one time. But they unload their guns to where 20 shots were fired. Hmm. (sighs) Kenneth Walker does not recall any of them ever identifying themselves. And former Louisville, Kentucky police detective Brett Hankinson, Hank is son, I might, hopefully I said that right, was fired. Um, and he was charged with three different counts of endangerment for firing into Breonna Taylor's neighbor's home also. But no charges were brought to the other police officers or the police station for shooting and killing Breonna Taylor. Now, mind you, this was this information may have changed because when I was studying this, this is the information that I had at the time. So I apologize if this information has been updated and I'm giving you old news, quote unquote. Louisville agreed to pay the Taylor family $12 million for wrongful death, and they agreed to a series of police reforms. There's so much information that I have, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to call out some names, and then you are more than welcome to look up the history behind some of these names when you get a, a moment, <clears throat> excuse me, Dante Wright, D-A-U-N-T-E-W-R-I-G-H-T. He was 20 years old. Andre Hill, A-N-D-R-E-H-I-L-L. He was 47 years old. Manuel Lewis, M-A-N-U-E-L. And then L-E-W-I-S. He was 33 years old. And I spoke to you about Tyree Nichols. These are young men, some young women. Um, I did mention Sandra Bland. She's also someone. So Sandra Bland... Was 28 years old and she was found hung in a jail cell in Waller County, Texas on July 13th, 2015. S-A-N-D-R-A. Her middle name was Annette, A-N-N-E-T-T-E. Her last name Bland, B-L-A-N-D. She was hung And what was said about the hanging 
was that she committed suicide. But if you watch the clip of the video, you draw your own conclusion. So there's a lot that happens in this world that I believe is driven by ego, fear, for some Fear has been broken down to mean false evidence appearing real. But the definition of fear I'm going to provide. So to fear something means that you have an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or Something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. It means to be afraid of someone or something as likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening. There are four different types of fear. The fight fear, the freeze fear, the faint fear, the flee fear. But what makes us fearful? This information I'm gathering from a few resources. One being the Oxford Languages Dictionary. And the other one, it says... P-A-U-L-E-K-M-A-N.com So that looks like a group. Actually... I'm not even going to touch that because I'm just not. You can actually look up (laughs) on your senior spare time. (coughs) Excuse me. What causes fear? But what I will say is that the fact that fear can be driven by The notion that someone is a threat. There might not be any evidence that they're a threat. But it's enough for someone to use that imaginative state to do damage to that individual. is very scary. And the definition of threat is a statement of an intention to inflict pain, injury, damage or other hostile action on someone in retribution for something done or not done. Hmm. Retribution means punishment inflicted on someone as vengeance for a wrong or criminal act. So yeah. I'm at a loss for words because there's so much I could say about that. There's so many more discriminatory incidents, which for the sake of time, I am unable to elaborate on. However, colorism, discrimination, racism, and even slavery 
and the like are still very much alive today. Did you know that? Did you know that slavery is still here in 2023? Yeah. 2023, slavery is still present. Discrimination is still present. Hatred is still present. Fear is still present. These are still challenges that a lot of people face to this very day. Walking into a room as their authentic self and someone turning up their nose because they don't like the color of their skin. (laughs) Crazy, right? And I have a vision. It's the best way for me to put it for me. You may have a different vision. But I just see bullies. Because that person is different than you. Because they don't look like you. Because they don't sound like you. Because they have the ability to think for themselves. They're discriminated against. They're bullied. It's like having a mean girl and a mean guy syndrome. It's hateful. In my opinion, it's very unnecessary. Rodney King said it best. Can we all just get along? But even if we can't, why does killing, killing someone's spirit, killing someone's dreams, killing someone's desires, killing someone's hopes, killing someone's family, killing someone at all? Why is that the default? Why does fear have to be a factor? Why is it even a factor? Because someone is different than you. Because at the end of the day, that person is still a human being who has someone that loves them. Even if you don't. Who has someone that cares about their well-being, even if you don't. Who has someone that needs them, even if you don't. Why does that have to be their daily challenge? When they're getting up to do the very same thing that you may be doing, which is to work to feed their family. Why does hate have to be the answer? Why does killing have to be the answer? Why does discrimination even have to exist? Can't we all just get along in the famous words of Rodney King? And even if we can't, can't we come to the agreement that we are human beings? And even in being a human being, we should be entitled to live. Because life is a gift. 
And I think it's really, really sad that so many people on this planet have made up in their minds that they want to play God and take an innocent life just because they, quote, unquote, can. And change the trajectory of an innocent life just because they, quote, unquote, can. Why is that and why has that always been the answer? Can't we change the answer? I read in the Bible that love covers a multitude of sins. Maybe one of the reasons why the alternative has been utilized for so long in terms of taking innocent lives, in terms of discriminating and hating and killing, maybe it's because the root of that is that the very individual performing those crimes really has not taken time out to do the self-work, to choose to love themselves. But instead, they have opted to hate someone who maybe they've aspired to do some of those very things that that person has done. But because they didn't have the courage to do those things, they just decided, hey, I'm just going to end your life today with a knee on your neck. Why? Why does it have to be that way? Can't we all just get along in relationships, at work, with our families? And even if we can't, sometimes it's okay to steal away, to figure some things out. And find out what is the root of my problems. Why don't I like that individual? Why do I hate that individual? What did they ever do to me? Sometimes, in my opinion, getting away and self-reflecting is the best answer. Because in my honest opinion, hating Killing, murdering in cold blood, discriminating. That's not the answer. At least not the one I'm looking for. So this is going to conclude my episode on today. I hope that y'all have the most amazing evening, morning, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. And I understand this is not the traditional episode that or ep- uh, episode that I would record, but I really truly have been pondering this. I have been sitting on this. I have been trying to figure out the right timing, the right temperature, but I've come to realize, you know what? There's never really a right time or temperature to talk about things that people brush under the rug. <laughs> On a regular basis. And I'm not laughing at the situation. It's really heartbreaking to me. Because we've been doing this for years. Brushing the elephant in the room under the rug. And it's high time that those hard conversations 
start to be had. And the reason being is because something has got to change. Something has true, and I mean for the better, not for the worse, for the better. There should be so many different things put into place that would prevent the culture of discrimination to continue to rise. The culture of killing people in cold blood. There should be something put into place to prevent those things from happening. I don't know the answers. But the conversations need to start to be had. Because enough is enough. Just like you want to live. There's a lot of people on this planet that want to live. They don't expect to go to a store to go get Skittles and a soda and never come home. They don't expect to go to a baseball game or a football game and never come home. They don't expect to go to work and never come home because they literally cross the path of someone who may be mentally ill, who may just have hatred in their heart, who may hate their own life. And instead of them dealing with those things, they chose a coward's way out and took that person's life. We have got to do better as a people. We have got to do better as a nation. We have got to do better as human beings. Can we all just get along? And even if we can't, in the famous words of Tabitha Brown, even if you can't have a good day, don't you dare go messing up somebody else's. I hope that y'all have the most amazing evening, morning, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. And to my future hubby, wherever you are on this planet, I pray to God that you live. And I pray to God that you are surrounded by people who genuinely have your best intentions at heart. And that you are given discernment where you are led into the right spaces and the right places at the right time so that your testimony does not have to be where your life has been taken from you prematurely. I love you. Love, Teresa. So this is going to conclude my episode on today. Y'all, please, please, please do me a huge favor. And take care of yourself because there is only one you. Signing out, your girl, Teresa. Y'all have a blessed one. Bye. And thank you so much for listening.